Good morning, everyone. If I've not met you before, my name is Tex, and I'm on the staff team here at the church. And this morning, we're going to be continuing our sermon series in Luke, and we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11. Now, this is a very familiar passage for many of us. Um, it's often entitled the Lord's Prayer or Jesus' teaching on prayer. But before I go on, can I encourage us to be expecting that God is going to speak to us this morning, that he's going to work in us today as we engage with the Bible. So I'm going to pray and then Ms is going to read the passage for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your love that you show us on a daily basis. God, I thank you for the privilege of being able to read uh, the Bible and that we can engage with it freely. God, I want to pray for us this morning that we would encounter you in a tangible way, that, you would, uh, that your spirit would reveal yourself to us and that we'll grow in our knowledge and understanding and love of who you are. I pray would we would continue to be shaped and made into more like Christ Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus teaching on prayer, Luke verses 1 to 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, but we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? So just a quick recap of what Miz has just read is that the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, Jesus, will you please teach us how to pray? Jesus then goes on to teach them how to pray uh, with what we would call the Lord's Prayer. And then he shows them or he then teaches them two parables to drive home his teaching on prayer. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to divide the passage up into three sections and then we're going to look at each one, talk about it um, before we move on to the next one. But because this passage is about prayer, it got me thinking about my own prayer life and how I uh, engage with prayer um, on a day-to-day -day basis. And if there's one thing it made me realize is that when I feel like things are going wrong, prayer is often very low on my priority. Um, it's, it's kind of one of the, the last things that I do. And when I pray, I feel like the, the pers what I naturally do is I Google. I Google loads. And when I feel like I don't know something or I need to understand something, I Google it. Um, and this was made really evident to me at rugby um, a, a few a few months ago. And we, 
Uh, we were at a pub after training, you know, back when we could go to pubs and see people. And um, the guys know that I'm Christian, that I work for a church, and they asked me a question around a topic that I'm really uh, familiar with, comfortable talking about, and uh, I had lots of conversations like this before uh, with other people. But one of the guys, he said something that I'd never heard before, a point of view that I'd never heard before. And uh, it was really interesting. I was like, man, that makes great sense. And then we got distracted and then went home. But what happened was internally, I got really panicked because I was like, man, there is this area of, of my faith that I feel like I can't answer for uh, really competently or really helpfully. And as I naturally do, I then started reading loads. I started uh, Googling loads. I started watching loads of YouTube videos uh, to kind of bridge my, uh, my knowledge gap. And I wonder how many of us are like that, that when we feel like things are going wrong or things are crumbling uh, beneath us or things that we know are familiar with kind of taken away, how quickly do we jump to think of a clever solution to fix things, uh, think of innovative ways to solve a problem? And, and in, so, in some ways, those things aren't wrong. It's not wrong to, to learn. It's not wrong uh, to be on the front foot to want to fix uh, kind of problems and solutions. But I don't think that's how Jesus wants us to live our lives, particularly now in, in times that are so chaotic and uncertain. Jesus doesn't want us to just be acquiring knowledge and being on the front foot to just do things. He wants us to be people who pray first. That that is the first and foremost thing that we do is that we pray. And this is where he starts with the disciples. He starts with prayer. And it's interesting to know that this passage is in the context of mission. It's in the context of bringing God's kingdom to the world. Uh, we see the, uh, the teaching of the 72. Uh, Clayton talked about that in January. And then last week we saw Mark talk about uh, the Good Samaritan. Both those passages are very much about how we bring God's kingdom into the world and how we, uh, how we live our daily lives. And it's interesting that the disciples, the thing that they ask for is not teaching about how to preach or how to cast out demons. Instead, they ask, Jesus, will you please teach us to pray? And that's what Jesus wants for them. He wants them to be people who pray first and to pray constantly. And the thing that I love most about Jesus is that Jesus is a man who leads by example. You know, Jesus doesn't send us anywhere he hasn't been. And Jesus is a praying man. And throughout Luke, we see Jesus pray loads of times. And uh, these are just some of them, but not all of the times we see Jesus praying. We see just pr Jesus pray at his baptism. We see Jesus pray at the transfiguration on the mountain. We see Jesus pray when he sends out the 72. And we see Jesus pray right here before he teaches the disciples how to pray. You know, the first few words that Ms. Red says, on uh, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Jesus was a praying man and he wants us to be a praying people. So today I've got three P's for us that relate to each section that I want to look at. And the first P is pray in verses one to four. And I do recognize that this portion of the passage could have its own 40 minute preach. 
and uh, I'm not going to be able to look at it in detail because of time but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to quickly draw four key themes that Jesus talks about as he prays and the first one is father and what Jesus is doing here he's introducing the idea that the disciples can pray to God as father he says pray father hallowed be your name he is showing the disciples that they can pray to God as father and this is a new idea for the disciples because up until this point the Jewish people have never prayed to God as father even though God has introduced himself as father uh, that idea of him being a father it, it can be traced right back to Exodus where God says Israel is my firstborn son God identifies himself as a father, but for the first time, Jesus now introduces the idea of being able to pray to God as father. But then there's, there's the second half of that first sentence. It says, hallowed be your name. It means to keep God's name holy. And as Christians, we love to use the word holy. But what that means is, is to set apart his name, to realize that his name is different. Jesus is saying in, the, in his first breath that the disciples need to know that God is a loving father, but he is also different and unlike human beings. The second thing is that Jesus talks about is praying for God's kingdom to come. Now, kingdom is a theme that we're going to see throughout Luke's narrative. And it's because the Jewish people are cur currently under Roman occupation and they are longing for God's kingdom to come. They are longing for Jesus to set them free, to bring them freedom, to bring them hope, to bring them uh, compassion, love, and gentleness. They're really longing for God's kingdom to, to come on, uh, into the earth. And Jesus says, keep praying for his kingdom. After Jesus talks about uh, his kingdom, he then talks about the disciples being able to pray for their daily needs about them receiving their daily bread and maybe this is something that's lost on us a little bit but for the disciples their bread basically meant it was their necessities for life it was the thing that sustained them day to day on a physical level jesus is saying to the disciples you can bring your physical needs to god you can bring them to your father but not only can you bring your physical needs to your father, you can also bring your spiritual needs to God, which is where it says, lead us not into temptation. So God is, uh, Jesus is showing the disciples, you can bring both uh, your physical needs and your spiritual needs to God the Father. But then what uh, Jesus then mentions next, or what we see mentions next, is that this bit of the passage is littered with the words our us and we and i think that's really significant because prayer isn't supposed to be just an individual thing it's supposed to be uh, something that's done in community and right at the beginning when the disciples say teach us to pray as john taught his disciples it's because prayer in that context sets the sets people apart it sets them up as a, a as an idea uh, gives them a group identity and this is what Jesus is saying prayer needs to be it needs to be something that you do with other people a lot if anything more than with just on your own more than just as an individual you need to be praying in community more so how does this affect us in our everyday lives here today 
The first and foremost thing that Jesus wants us to know is that we are able to call Jesus Father. And when we pray, we're praying to him as a loving father. It is like a child having a conversation with his father. There is real intimacy here. But in the same breath, like I said earlier, not only is a loving father, but he is also the creator of the universe. He is unrivaled in his power, in his majesty, in his worth, and in his authority. And when we see uh, Jesus uh, structure and help us to see God in this way, that he's a loving father, but also a wonderful creator, we see that God is this great and unique person, but he's not unapproachable. That we can approach God. We can approach God as a loving father, even though he is also the creator of the universe at the same time. But the only way that we are even able to approach God and to pray to him as father is because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And uh, if you're listening to this for the first time, the reason why this is such a radical idea is because as human beings, right at, right at the beginning of time, we decided to turn our backs on God. And as a result, there has been a gap, and, uh, a gap between us and God. And uh, we were never able to fully commune with God. We were never able to fully communicate with God in the way that God intended. Yes, there was a system where you could sacrifice an animal and that could uh, kind of get you part of the way, but it was never the full idea. It was never the full uh, kind of moment where you could really engage with God on a, on a personal level. But what Jesus does is when he comes to earth and he lives a human life like you and I, he then rejoins human beings back to God through his death and resurrection. But I also do want to recognize, I just want to pause quickly because I, I recognize that as I talk, I stand here and I talk about father, a loving father, you may be sitting here listening and you may find that idea of God being a loving father really difficult to understand or accept. Maybe it's because you never knew your father or maybe it's because you had a physical father present, but you don't want to associate yourself with him because of the way he may have treated you and your family. Or maybe you've just maybe had a bad experience with men, men who abuse their authority. What Jesus is doing here is showing us because God is unlike us. He is not like human beings who fail and who are flaky and who disappoint us. He is a loving father who is perfect in all of his ways and all he wants is his best for us. And the fact that God is a loving father, he wants to see his kingdom brought on earth. And that is what Jesus says we need to do when we pray. We need to pray for his kingdom to come. Right now, we are in one of the most challenging um, times that that we that probably humanity's faced in a long time and 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 it's going on globally if there's one thing that this pandemic is doing it's it's happening globally lots of the world are facing the same issues maybe at different severity levels but the whole world 
is facing the coronavirus. But God wants us to be people who pray for peace, for strength, for hope and for wisdom. We need to be people who pray for God's kingdom to come. God then goes on to say that we need to, we need to pray for our basic everyday needs, pray for our daily bread. And why do we need to pray for our daily bread? The reason we pray for our daily bread is because when we realize that it's God who fundamentally gives us everything that we need, it shifts our hearts into a posture of humility and gratitude. We realize that everything we have comes from God. We become grateful and we become humble. And in turn, what this does is, it then reminds us that because it's God who gives us everything that we have, we are unable to follow Jesus wholeheartedly without him, without the work of his Holy Spirit. We realize that without God and his work in us, we would ultimately just lead ourselves back into sin. So in short, Jesus shows the disciples how to pray and he shows us the pattern that we need to pray. We need to pray God's kingdom come and then we pray for human needs. So the first P is pray. Jesus wants us to get going, you know, get going in praying, just pray. The next P and the next session, uh, section of our passage is verses five to 10 and it's persistence. And it's where uh, Jesus gives a parable about a friend coming and knocking uh, on someone's door because he doesn't have bread for a visitor. And um, this is something that we might miss in our culture. Um, because of how we kind of live at the moment. But in first century Middle Eastern culture, for someone to knock on someone's door while they were sleeping was a really bold idea. It was a really bold thing to do. And it was bold because a Middle Eastern family often slept in the same room. So it meant if you woke up the host, you woke up the whole family. So it's really bold to do that. But it's also really bold because of how persistent the person doing the knocking is. And for them, the reason they're so persistent is because, again, in Middle Eastern culture, hospitality is a huge deal. Because if someone came to your home and you didn't have anything to give them, your, your village's honor and shame was on the line. And so that's why this man is knocking persistently, saying, I need your help. And that's why he comes and gets help because the stakes are high for him. And that's how Jesus says that the disciples should pray, that they need to be bold and persistently come into God's presence, uh, petitioning God for all that they need. And if we kind of imagine it in our, in our circumstances is, um, you know, one of the things that I love to do is I love to take a nap. Um, I absolutely love to take a nap. Um, but one of the things that seems to always happen is that Emma, my wife, or my parents will always ring me while I'm taking a nap. It frustrates me a little bit, but um, it's all right. So they often ring me, and the thing that I do is I look at it, I look at my phone, and then I'm like, I click the lock screen, and then I put it face down, and I ignore it. Um, although Emma's now thinking, text, do you really do that to my phone calls? Um, yes, that's what I do if I'm taking a nap. But what generally happens is they then end up ringing back multiple times because they're being persistent and i eventually think man there is something really important that i need to take care of so i do answer the phone and that's what jesus wants us to be like he wants us to keep 
persistent. We need, we need to be really persistent in prayer. And the reason we need to be persistent in prayer is not because we need to show God how important our needs are, but instead, again, what it does, it shifts us into showing God, God, I utterly need you. I cannot do anything without you. You are the one whose help I need. And we need to constantly be brought to that place. So the second P uh, for this morning is persist. Jesus tells us to start praying, but then he says, keep going. He says, keep asking, keep knocking. The third P for us this morning is provision in verses 11 to 13. And it's uh, the bit where Jesus says, if your son was to ask for a fish, who of you would give him a snake? Um, so Jesus, what he starts to do here is he starts to end off his teaching with reminding the disciples that God provides for them after they pray. He uses the analogy of them being fathers and even as earthly fathers who are who are broken and may not get everything right, even they would still uh, they would still not do anything to harm their children. What Jesus is doing, he is building on the, the first line of the Lord's prayer. He is saying God is a loving father, but he is also unlike you. He is a perfect father. It means that he, he's someone who wants to always provide for us. He, he provides all that we need. Maybe not all that we want, but all that we need. You know, one of the most common uh, questions that I, I often hear is, text, what about unanswered prayer? And I think Jesus, uh, he answers this question in this passage. Because when we look at this passage, Jesus shows us, in that first line of the prayer. The fact that the second, you know, the other side of the coin, like I mentioned earlier, the fact that Jesus, uh, or the fact that God is unlike us, that he is holy. If we think about what that means, we, we think that we realize that he is the one who spoke the world into being. That he said, let there be light. He spoke that and then there was light. He flung the stars into the sky. He's the one who's made our human bodies, the, the complex uh, beings that they are. The fact that we take in oxygen and convert it into carbon dioxide. God has made that body. He is in control of all of creation. And what, that, what Jesus is showing us is that he is a loving father, but he is also the one who has all authority and all wisdom. We don't know what we always need. We think we might, but Jesus is, uh, but God is a perfect loving father who knows all that we need. Even when we think we know best, he is the one with all authority always, uh, and all wisdom to be able to give us all that we need. So what Jesus is doing here at the end of this passage, he's reminding us who we're praying to, not what we're praying for. He's reminding us that we are praying to our loving father who, as a, he, as a loving father, he only gives us what we need. Jesus gives us confidence to see that we are going to see God's provision when we pray. You know, I don't know if your Bible has uh, red letters in it, but... In my Bible, it, it does have these in red letters. This portion of scripture, it does 
have in red letters. And that means that Jesus said those words. And I personally know that we can trust those words. We can trust the words of Jesus. And I know that many of you may, you, you need God's provision right now. You can trust the words of Jesus that we see in the Bible. And we can trust it because he has given his life for you. He's given you every reason to trust him. So to close, I just want us to look at three short reasons for us to embrace prayer. The first one is that prayer shifts uh, our heart's attitudes into humility and gratitude. It shifts our heart's posture into humility and gratitude. The second is that prayer brings us deep into deeper relationship with God. And the third is that when we pray, God's kingdom advances. So I just want to remind us of the three P's that uh, we looked at today and what Jesus has taught us about prayer. The first is pray. Jesus says, get praying, pray for his kingdom to come and then pray for human needs. The second is that we need to be persistent in prayer. We need to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And the last is provision. We need to be confident that as we pray for our needs, that God will provide, our loving Father will provide. So what we're going to do now is Andy and Tope are going to lead us in response, in praying together um, to respond to what we've heard and what God wants to do in us.